In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions, and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry because we're all over the web. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. Just put in Leadership Beyond Borders. And also reach out to us. Contact us on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and tell us what you want to hear about on this show. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we'll make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now on to today's episode. You know, AI is advancing at astonishing speeds. The rate of development is truly remarkable with breakthroughs and innovations happening every day. From machine learning to natural language processing, AI technologies are rapidly evolving and transforming the way we live and the way we work. It is revolutionizing the way businesses connect with their customers, enabling personalized experience and data-driven decision-making. With AI algorithms analyzing vast amounts of consumer data, marketers can tailor their offerings to individual preferences, ensuring maximum relevance and engagement. In this episode, we speak with a data and AI expert about this rapidly evolving technology and how we can use it in targeted areas. Our guest today is Christian J. Ward, and he is the Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at YEX. Christian is focused on the expanding applications of knowledge graphs and data asset optimization. His focus is to help YEX clients identify, value, and structure their knowledge to maximize their data value in AI and search applications. Christian is also the author of the Amazon Top Release, Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth, Potential of Data Partnerships, and he has developed and executed hundreds of data partnerships worldwide from small enterprise firms to the world's largest data companies. He has held a number of chief data officer positions, including global head of content innovation at Thomson Reuters uh, as one of his roles. He has been quoted in publications like the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Fortune, and Search Engine Journal. Now, Yex. Yex, organi- or Yex helps organizations build digital experiences across any channel in their open composable platform. The Yex digital experience platform collects and organizes content to deliver AI-led experiences for any organization's customers, employees, or partners. For more than 15 years, Thousands of companies worldwide have trusted Yex to create seamless customer experience at scale across search engines, website, mobile apps, and hundreds of other digital touch points. So, Christian, welcome back to the show. We've had you a few times. <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly. Great to be back. It, it, it's great. It's great to you know keep up on this. So. Um, Just start general, okay? All this is happening in AI and it's changing marketing in general. What do you think, if you're you're looking at today and maybe looking two to three years down the road, 
how is this impacting the marketing field? Um, so let's start with, uh, <laughs> I think it changes everything. And that, that I think a lot of people say, well, that's too broad. But I, I, I really would advise everyone looking at this as seismic um, or tectonic. Uh, I, I can't get much bigger. Everything in marketing up until this stage has really been about um, creating monologues and pushing them out. Now, we like to say as marketers that it's all about brand storytelling. And I, I'm one of the believers. There's a great old video of Steve Jobs uh, talking about the most powerful people in the world are the storytellers. And I think that's accurate. I think the problem is the last 20 years or so, we've lost that story uh, and, and we've become these sort of evil marketing monologuers uh, where you know everything we do is about tracking people and then pushing a slightly personalized monologue. And that's all got to change. Um, I think what AI does to this is it enables these dialogues. Uh, if you, if For everyone listening, if you haven't been experimenting uh, with all the dialogue and conversational AI now possible, then I think we really, you really should because it, it's, it shows that marketers from this point going forward, instead of pushing out billions of monologue pieces, they can really start to hopefully engage in a more interesting dialogue with customers. Uh, and I, th I believe going back maybe three different sessions with you, Kimberly, we spent a lot of time talking about storytelling and you know how how do you do it best, especially for small business owners. And it's all about engaging in a way where the story is being told through a you know a dialogue and, and I think that really fundamentally changes a lot about what we think when we think about advertising uh, the marketing the tech stack for sure uh, and that's that's a lot that's that's a that's a huge area uh, of change yeah and and I mean changing from from monologue to dialogue I mean that that's not easy so you know what marketers, you, as you said, you've been pushing out kind of, you know, slightly personalized messages forever. How do they make this shift, okay, um, in their campaigns? So the the first thing is you have to be able to power a dialogue, uh, mm -hmm. and and many businesses don't do this today particularly well. Uh, many of the larger enterprises do; it's part of their brand strategy. And then there's the annoying little pop up chat tech, you know, uh, the the former chat technology that would pop up and ding you every website you went to and say, "Hey, can I help you?" And then you realize it's like, "Well, hey, can I help you?" As long as it's <laughs> me helping you on one of three things, but I don't I don't really want a dialogue. That's that's sort of just a guided engagement. What I would say is building out into your platforms the ability for anyone to ask a question. And a question comes in multiple forms. So it could be a search query. It could be a chat. Uh, it could also be the way people leave you reviews. Reviews are a form of dialogue. Uh, social engagements, the social chat back and forth, that's dialogue. What you're trying to do is everyone likes to say, oh, we're customer centric. But they make it really hard for you to, as a customer, tell them something. Uh, and, and in fact, um, all these businesses have these metrics uh, called call deflection. Have you heard of this? It's it's measured in call centers uh, where, where they're, you know, like they, they measure how much they can deflect. And I'm like, God, that's that's really the opposite. <laughs> I, I think what we're, we really want is you want to have the dialogue, just make it easier because that dialogue is absolute gold when it comes to marketing, because it actually tells you what the customer wants, what they don't understand, what they'd like to hear more about, all of those things should be driving your marketing and content strategy. And that's just a very different way to think about it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, with this dialogue-centric strategy, you know, with customers, um, it's a, as you said, it's a different way to think about it. So do you see this shift? Do you see it happening rapidly or is this slowly? Or are marketers actually saying, aha, we see better results when we do this? Um, how rapidly is this changing? So I, I think it's it's probably by industry. Uh, it's probably by, by complexity. You are seeing some very large players start to have these tools built into their platforms. Uh, you're seeing Google obviously uh, putting out um, a Gemini uh, into their search general generative experience, the SGE, and um, Bing has obviously been doing a ton of this with their partnership with OpenAI. Uh, but you're going to see a lot more of it very quickly. The the place I think you're going to see it first, though, is not necessarily in all the consumer dialogues. 
One of the reasons why is when people say hallucinations of AI, uh, it's very concerning if you put a chatbot out there that is powered by a large language model where it can make things up. Now, normally it, it really goes off the rails at this point when people try and almost like program it, prompt it to go off the rails. Uh, needless, regardless of that, you still don't want to necessarily open that up until we've everyone's locked down that from a safety perspective. On the other hand, Sachin Adala in um, his uh, open letter, uh, annual letter uh, to Microsoft shareholders, he, he kind of, the, the whole letter is like 2024 is going to be the year of co-pilots. And I completely agree with that, which is co-pilots think of them as in your daily job uh, or in your Microsoft Office products or in your, you know, um, your use of Twitter. That's what supposed to be. These are these are tools where they're not really the customer journey. They're more like the employee journey to being more efficient. And the reason why that's so critical is that is going to be where everyone learns how to use this technology. Oh. Uh, it, for, for example, when we first started using search, going back to, you know, 1990s, search was really a workplace entity. And then it started to open up into the consumer application. So you're much more likely to see people leveraging AI behind the firewall where there's not nearly as high a risk that if the uh, hallucination is a problematic, well, it happened in, within the job setting. Whereas if that happens in a consumer setting, there's going to be 52 TikToks uploaded with your chatbot going off the rails. I think people are very nervous about that. They should be. But internally, co-pilots are a great way to not only train the AI, but also to retrain the humans on, you should be thinking about how this could help you be more efficient. Then people will start to expect that experience in their customer journeys. So this is probably at least a two-year turnover cycle where uh, this next year is all about engaging it in your work. And then people will slowly start to um, migrate this out. Uh, that being said, I don't want people to think, oh, I have time. I, I think what I'm saying <laughs> is, is two years is really short. You need to start thinking about your strategy to actually implement and, and leverage this stuff. Yeah. And, and but thinking about that and thinking about, you know, um, this just being in the workplace, right? Um, you mentioned Microsoft. Of course, you know, the, the big enterprises are going to be able to do this pretty rapidly and and employees will get used to it. But when you kind of go down the food chain a little bit, um, you know, how, how are maybe the middle-sized enterprises or even the smaller ones going to learn from this? Are they going to use it in their back offices, try to use it, um, you know, um, you know identifying, identifying customers better? Where do you see that going? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I actually think the mid-market and smaller businesses have something of an advantage here. Uh, and that's partially because their adherence to data uh, compliance and legal oversight, it's not as high of a burden, right? I'm not saying they shouldn't do everything properly. I am saying you're far less likely to be able to walk into a room at a Fortune 500 company and say, I'm plugging in an AI and we're just going to use it. Um, that's not going to happen. <laughs> On the other hand, at a Bidmark company with maybe five people um, uh, you know, in the executive committee, it's very likely that someone could walk in and say, hey, is it all right if we plug in this new workplace AI and just test it out with 50 employees? You might get a yes right there and then. And mm -hmm. so I, I think there is, and quite frankly, the amount of, of innovation with open source models, uh, there was a model that came out this week called Mistral that you can literally run on your iPhone. You don't need an internet connection. There's, it is moving so quickly that I don't see a, a massive advantage for the big players in this space. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to have to be very concerned um, with safety and other issues issues internally, whereas a, a lot of the businesses we talk, we talk with that are mid-market or small business, they're sort of like, what do I have to lose? It's, I, you know, I'm a pool cleaning company with five locations in South Florida. Let's right. try using this stuff and see if it makes us send out better marketing, send out better emails, write better content, improve our ad, our ad copy, all of those things. I think those businesses should be using this immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that make that makes a lot of sense. Well, Christian, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to I want to talk about that mid market, and I want to talk about you know kind of decisional AI and how 
how they might be using the limited amount of data that they have to, to improve customer relations. So our guest today is Christian J. Ward, and he is Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at Yex, and he is focused on expanding applications of knowledge graphs and data asset optimization. His focus is to help YEX clients identify value and structure their knowledge to maximize their data value in AI and search applications. And YEX helps organizations build digital experiences across any channel in their open composable platform. And yet digital experience platform collects and organizes content and delivers AI-led experience for any organizations, customers, employees, or partners. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Yext, you can go to their website on www.yext.com. And of course, Yext is on all social media from LinkedIn to Instagram to Facebook just put in Yex and you'll find them. And if you'd like to reach out to Christian, Christian uh, is on Twitter under at Ward Christian J. And he's also on LinkedIn under Ward Christian J. So please reach out to Yex and reach out to Christian. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual pieces of training, conferences, do market research, and legislative white paper focused on digital. They also have conferences, and their next conference will be in Berlin, May 12th to 15th. And there you can meet the YEX team because YEX is a very one of the most important partners for Cinda. So please go to www.cinda.org uh, to learn more about their conferences and go to www.yex.com to learn more about YEX. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we will be right back. America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get amplified. What's holding your business back from long-term growth? How can you accelerate the changes needed to build an adaptable platform to support transformative change? How are others optimizing business processes and systems to ensure timely decision-making through the use of data? Learn how you can minimize disruption and maximize results. Take a break with Rising, our weekly expert panel, and our host, Bonnie D. Graham, to learn how others are getting smart with technology and creating their next-gen ERP. Join us on Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise, presented by Rising, a Wipro company, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Christian J. Ward, the Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at Yext. And Yext is a company that helps organizations build digital experiences across any channel on their open and composable platform. The Yex digital experience platform collects and organizes content to deliver AI-led experiences for any organization's customers, employees, or partners. And Christian is focused on expanding the applications of knowledge graphs and data asset for the organization. His focus is to help Yex clients identify value and structure their knowledge to maximize their data value in AI and search applications. So, Christian, we are talking a little bit about, um, you know, where you think AI is going first. We talked about the co-pilots and kind of 
you know, next year, the year 2024 being the year where we all as employees and in the back offices get used to what we can do for AI. Um, in the mid-market, you said, do you think they have a chance, a, even more, a better chance to grasp this? Where do you see these mid-market enterprises um, grasping AI in 2024? So, so I'll start with a, a statement which will probably offend everyone, but please know that I uh, um, include myself in this co- cohort, which okay. is that um, marketers ruin everything. <laughs> Literally every technology that comes out, marketers ruin it. So email, we ruined it uh, with too much email. Uh, text messaging, ruined it. Now everything's blocked. Um, voice calls, ruined it. Robo dials. Uh, billboards on the highway, ruined that. Uh, in, like marketers just, we, we can't help ourselves, right? And it's because we've been taught to push out the monologue. Mm-hmm. And, and what's going to happen in the next 2024 is part of using it as a co-pilot is that you are going to see a billion blog posts on stuff that there just maybe would have been a hundred blog posts last year about. And and that's going to happen. So what I would say is, I think that where mid-market uh, is probably gonna really be able to leverage this, and they will almost to a fault, is they're gonna bake into the process AI at every stage of creating their content. And mm-hmm. that's, again, I don't want to say that's a bad thing. I actually think it's very good because you're, you're, you're taking, let's say, a team of five content or copywriters and you're, you're, eight, you're creating a way where they can scale themselves, you know, 10x, 20x, because they can feed their ideas into AI, now get it to copy their tone, get it to, uh, you know, fact check it very quickly. There's a lot of benefit here for the smaller player. Uh, now, at the same time, I don't think Google and other centralized search systems who we depend upon to organize and return the monologues aren't going to also make some drastic changes, which is if there's a billion posts out there now about paint drying, <laughs> that they're, they're just going to go ahead and answer that with their own AI, and they're going to cut you out of that loop. But that's, that's going to take time as well, Kimberly. So I, I think when I say, how are they going to use it? I think there there is there's twofold here. One is they're going to use it to be more efficient in their day-to-day task. That means it will help them write email responses faster, it'll monitor Slack for them, it'll start to really increase their ability to uh, focus. Uh, the, the second part is they're going to use it for the evil marketing monologue because that's still the world we live in. So I think you're gonna see the, the content on the web start to approach infinity very quickly. And and we've never lived in that world and neither has Google and neither has any brand or any business. But in the, in the short run, if mid-market or smaller businesses can get a few smart people on their team to start leveraging this, your website, which, which should be answering every objective question about what you do, who you do it for, what your products are, what your services are, all of that, you should be scaling that up as quickly as possible with meaningful, content and AI will probably be the thing that gives you an edge that you've never had before. And so, uh, you know, this is, I feel like just talking about this is going to be exciting 2024 as we see some of these things emerge that um, I'm taking, I'm looking from the consumer view. Okay. So I'm going to start to get used to this um, dialogue more than the monologue and probably those those businesses or enterprises that actually start to engage in this dialogue and and build this contact are going to have better consumer reactions than the one who used to push me in a monologue so where do you see where do you see the consumers going i it sounds exciting to me and i like it as a consumer but do you have any insights on that is it going to yeah, so so yeah. what I would say there is let's let's consider what consumers really want, right? So there's an old, uh, I think it was Professor Levitt uh, uh, who came up with this. There's an old saying that the 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 nobody wants a drill. What they want is a quarter inch hole, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. nobody wants to buy a drill, right? I, I need a hole in my wall, and I'm going to buy a drill to do it. But I actually don't want a drill. I want a hole. And and um, Harvard Business Review did a great, great paper on this years ago where it's talking about you really need to focus on 
What are people actually trying to accomplish? What are you helping them do? And so if I were to say to you, if you wanted to go to a SMB or a mid-market or even enterprise, when I go to your website, right, what I'm looking for is an answer. I am actually not looking, let me back up. The world literally would be a better place if there were no websites, no search bars, no drop down menus, no chat sessions, no pop up windows, no blog posts, no TikToks, it would be better. I'm sorry, again, I'm just gonna annoy the entire audience. It would be better if I could just ask a question and get a direct, correct answer. That's right, yeah. And, and so that's a very different world. It, think of the marketing tech stack that, that we have employed. We have so many technologies out there in terms mm -hmm. of tracking and pushing monologues and all that. And the reality is, is nobody wants that at a certain point in the customer journey. I'm not saying all of it. There's still the same funnel. There's awareness, consideration, action, all those classic marketing theories. But what I'm saying is, is the awareness and then getting actual answers is what really starts to change. In, in other words, for all of you that sponsor Wimbledon, please sponsor Wimbledon. That's a great idea, that's awareness. But when I then have a question about your brand and what you do, an objective question, you should absolutely be taking over the entire marketing uh, journey with a dialogue, which is give me the answer as best you can, and then figure out when maybe the AI should be giving the answer and when a human should get involved. And mm -hmm. that's that handoff that's going to happen. I call it the dialogue continuum, but it's basically at some point, a dialogue is more valuable for a human to handle it than for a machine. And that I think also will probably, to me, that's probably not 2024, that's probably 2025. Mm -hmm. uh, but honestly, I wake up and things have moved from where I left them when I went to bed last night. So in terms of how fast it's going. So I, I really don't know if it won't be even faster than that. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is really amazing stuff. So just talk about, what you guys are doing, because I'm just thinking this enterprise trying to move, you know, um, into this dialogue with the customer and into the content. So what is how is Yex helping um, this this progress, helping enterprises in the, in the realm of conversation on focal AI, you know, move, helping them know which direction to move in and what's important? Yeah. So uh, what I would say is when I, when I think about, so I, I for everyone here, I, I've, I've been with the X for, uh, well, actually almost a decade, mm -hmm. uh, which is strange for me because I've started a lot of data companies and I tend to enjoy the entrepreneurial exercise. But the reason I stay at Yext and I love working here is this company has always been focused on structuring objective knowledge for businesses. Mm -hmm. And then we feed that data to Google and Bing and internal platforms and websites. And so when you think, when I say things like objective questions versus subjective questions, I, I'm doing that very specifically because when someone says, uh, hey, do AirPods fit your ear well? That's a subjective question. And, and I actually think Google and um, uh, Yelp and bulletin boards, like places like that, Reddit, they are phenomenal for that subjective dialogue. And that, that's part of the customer journey. But where Yext really shines is we help businesses organize their objective knowledge so that when someone does go and says, okay, you know what? I'm ready to get AirPods. Uh, does the Boca Raton Apple Store have AirPods uh, Pros in stock? That objective, and by the way, I'm not saying Yext answers that question. I'm saying that that is an objective question. And so if, if you're asking a Yext customer that, we're making sure that that data is number one there, number two, it's compliant, meaning it's gone through compliance and review. Number three, it's been approved by business saying, yes, in fact, we do have this. That sort of objective answer is, I will say, almost always the end of the customer buying cycle. It's at the end of the journey, right? Because all of us are sort of like, I don't know, what is a, you know, uh, is, is a Tesla Y really comfortable for a family of five? Like they're asking all these subjective questions. That's an important part of the web. But then when you get down to what exactly is the uh, Tesla return charging time of a Tesla Y, that is an objective fact. And that has to be answered by the business. So Yext is in many ways, an AI enablement tool because we were a, we were search enablement before AI and it needs the same perfect knowledge. The, the, the big difference with Yext compared to many other platforms that purport to do this is 
we're not trying to be a data lake where you put all the data. I think that's a really bad idea. We're what I would call a lean data approach, which is the data has to be almost perfectly accurate. That's very different than crawling a website and hooking a keyword search up to it. We're mm. all about, no, this needs to be human curated or at least oversight. And that data has to be correct. And with AI, it's true with search as well. But garbage in, garbage out with AI is like a, like a thousand times more important. And so mm -hmm. that's the part where Yext fits, which is we enable the companies to have this lockbox of real-time updating, human-curated, compliance-approved data to feed to all of these AI platforms and all of these search ecosystems. So mm -hmm. that that's that's does that does that make sense, Kimberly? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh, which kind of brings me to my next question on this data. Um, you know, if you have lean data and you have clean and objectable data, it's much better to, isn't it easier to make decisional strategic decisions um, or making progress? And, and everybody's talking about decisional AI. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? You know, what is decisional AI? Okay. You know, yeah. is it looking at data? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Actually, uh, this uh, I wrote a, a, a blog post about this uh, a while back. I was having a conversation uh, with a pediatric occupational therapist uh, over breakfast. This is uh, my wife, who's been a pediatric OT for many years. <laughs> and I was talking to her about, we often get into this because she her background in neuro, neurodevelopment is just amazing. And I'm always blown away by it. I'm not medical at all. And I just find we think and see things differently. But we, we kind of start having this discussion about childhood development stages. And she started to talk to me about uh, Jean Piaget's theories on childhood development. This goes back to the mid um, 20th century. Uh, that's last century for all you young um, when, 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 we, when we go in there, what we find is he has four stages of development. The first is sensory motor. Uh, the second is pre-operational. The third is concrete operational. And the fourth is formal operational. And what I would say to you is, is if you want to know where AI is going, please understand we're creating this in our image, albeit very, uh, uh, you know, sort of, <laughs> let's say, messily. Um, but, but what's happening is Sensory motor is a lot like the search stage, and that's what we've been in for the last 25 years, where it's sort of like a child's babble between zero and two years old, right? So they're babbling about things. That's like keyword search, where people are like, Nike, shoes, near me. It's babble. Yeah. It's not real, yeah. right? So that's the baby stage. The next stage is conversational. That's from two to seven or eight years of age, where they really do start to understand language. They understand stories. They understand all those sorts of things. The next stage, so I think we're in conversational stage now. The next stage is focal, is what I call focal AI. And that's where the AI actually helps you focus. Again, no manager wants another dashboard. Nobody wants another report with a dashboard on it. What they want is the answer. And AI can look at your data and help you focus. And then the final stage, which is where really we get into adolescence and other, where you're kind of on your own and you're making your own sort of decisions, that's decisional AI. And we're not there yet. I think we're mm -hmm. seeing inklings of it, but we're not quite there yet. And that's that's a pretty exciting roadmap. I mean, after that, you get into this concept of decisional, this this like autonomous AI. And I'm kind of hoping we don't turn over all the decisions to the AI. So I'm going to, I'll stop there, but that's, that's how it maps for the future. Well, that, that, that's a really interesting analogy. And it makes a lot of sense, Christian. And um, we're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, um, I want to kind of explore this a little bit more and then kind of talk about, you know, what else we're seeing coming up. So for our listeners, we are talking with Christian J. Ward. He's the executive vice president and chief data officer at Yext. And Yext helps organizations build digital experiences across any channel on their open and composable platform. The Yext digital experience platform collects and organizes content to deliver AI-led experiences for any organizations, customers, employees, or partners. Now, Christian is focused on the expanding applications of knowledge graphs and data asset optimization. His focus is to help YEX clients identify value and structure their knowledge to maximize their data value in AI and search applications. He is also the co-author of an Amazon top release, Data Leverage, Unlocking the Surprising Growth potential of data partnerships. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Yext, 
you can go on to www.ax.com. And they're also, of course, on all social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, Christian himself is on Twitter under at Christian, at Ward Christian J, and on LinkedIn under Ward Christian J. So please look up Lex and reach out to Christian. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have live conferences, and the next one is in Berlin, Germany, May 12th to 15th, where you can hear Yext and meet the Yext team. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And with that, we're going to take a short break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to the Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in for And Security for All, hosted by Kim Hakem. Each week, we look into a different aspect of cybersecurity, which is important to know for anyone who is involved with the Internet daily, which is probably all of us. We take the technical jargon and make it easier to understand while helping you to identify weaknesses and issues in your own cybersecurity and fix them now. And Security for All is broadcast live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Christian J. Ward. He's the Executive Vice President and Chief Data Officer at Yext. And Yext is a company that helps organizations build digital experiences off Across any channel with their open and composable platform. The Yex Digital Experience Platform collects and organizes content to deliver AI-led experiences for any organization's customers, employees, and partners. And um, Christian, I mean, before the break, great analogy on kind of where we are and the fact that we're not really to decisional AI yet. Um, um, I think when we grow up, we'll be there. So um, <laughs> just, um, you know, as you're going through this and we're going through these stages that you talk about, and we're deploying these new AI technologies, what are some of the things we have to keep in mind? I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, ethical considerations, bias, um, do we have to watch out for bias or unbiased models? Um, what are the what is the things that we just really have to keep a three sixty view on? Well, first of all, you know, when we talk about things regarding the usage of these models, whether ethics, uh, potential bias in the model, uh, the, the first thing is we're, we're training it on all of human writing, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to adapt our biases. Uh, but I, I, I offer, I mean, offer, I think there's a lot of pessimistic thought out there about bias. And here's what I would say. Yes, you definitely need to think about this and you need to understand what's in the models and what they've been trained on. But may I also offer a more optimistic <laughs> statement, which is uh, literally everyone, including myself on this, uh, this discussion um, and everyone listening, we're all biased. You, you have cognitive biases all over and not just, I don't mean necessarily in terms of, you know, really sensitive situations. I mean, I'm, I'm just 
frankly biased against spiders. Like I just really don't like them. Okay. And, and, and that goes back to a childhood uh, experience. And, and what's crazy is you will never go in and change that bias for me. It's just not possible. On the other hand, with AI, if we see bias exhibited, we can literally at this point, thanks to uh, a paper that was produced by Anthropic, the, the, um, one of the a big AI leading companies, we're starting to understand that we can actually lobotomize portions of what it was trained on. That's a horrible word, but that's really what it is to remove the neural connections that are causing that potential bias. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hate to tell everybody, but unless we step into a real brave new world, uh, they're not. we're not going to have that done to humans. And yeah. so you have a far better chance of identifying and mathematically extracting or removing potential biases in the AI than you do in your own workforce. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's look, that's, I think that's the beauty of this stuff's not autonomous and humans are. I don't wanna you know, get into the battle between those two things. I think it's much more interesting that if we can leverage these tools properly, Imagine the difference when we can say to someone, this model is not treating you differently than another model, or no, but, it, but I can almost guarantee you it's treating you more fairly than f a panel of four individual people based on their own biases. So mm -hmm. I, again, I'm not a, hey, AI solves all the world's problems. I am very interested in perhaps AI could help us with what we focus on, what our decisions are based on, and remove some of those cognitive biases that we have. So it's definitely an area that we should be concerned about. I don't think it's an area that should prevent us from running, like sprinting towards how to incorporate these tools into our daily lives and into our work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. And when you talk about, you know, when you when you talk about this deployment and development um, and, you know, keeping the 360, I also think about you know, the the skills of the future, Christian. Okay. So, you know, um, you at Yext have extremely skilled um, employees who are, are working on this. Um, you know, they're not always across the board. Um, how, you know, how do aspiring, you know, students or professionals acquire these skills to be able to deal with AI? And um, what are some of the key competencies that we should be looking at? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So let, let's start off with the premise of because I, I I do appreciate that. I think I've worked with some of the most brilliant people I have in my entire career at Yext. Uh, what, what I would say, though, is in the past, humans that were computer savvy had an advantage. Uh, meaning those of us that have been in tech, uh, there is an advantage if you know how to code, if you know how to, if you're an engineer, there are clear advantages. And that that has been because of the demand, obviously, for those skills. But mm -hmm. but we're that that's basically saying in the past, uh, humans that were computer savvy had an advantage. But now that computers are human savvy, <laughs> that advantage is being democratized. Which is really interesting, right? So I saw a tweet the uh, the other day. I'm trying to think of who did it, but it was uh, I think it was Carpathy, just brilliant, where he said, "Do you now realize the number one coding language in the world is English?" Mm. That that's mind blowing, right? Because now yeah. instead of having to understand how to code in AI. You yeah. can talk to the AI in plain English and start to get it to build what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. And that actually changes it, which means you would have had to have been, you know, sitting on the doorsteps of MIT, Carnegie Mellon, Waterloo, great yeah. computer science engineering schools to try and recruit those people. And what I'm saying now is your own workforce can absolutely start leveraging the best AI technologies and not know how to actually build them or uh, scale them or train them. Uh, and so that that's actually incredibly optimistic, meaning you could, once again, I think this really benefits small business and, and mid-market is if you didn't have the ability to hire all these people, please understand that they are enabling your workforce to take advantage of AI uh, very quickly. And, and uh, you, you can see this 
I don't know how many people have experimented with GPT. The best thing I can recommend to everybody is you should buy GPT-4, uh, pay the $20 and start experimenting with it. But mm -hmm. keep it open all day and then try as many other products that you can in your marketing job. Just Google yep. marketing AI technologies and start trying them. Get approval, make sure you're not putting in sensitive information, but yeah. get started with it because this really doesn't take that long to learn. It, it's it and, and the impact it can have is, is staggering. So so the skill set, honestly, I think the skill set is no longer um, saying this is my skill set. I, I think um, the skill set is really learning how to unlearn and relearn. You have to have the humility to say, actually, this thing might be able to do this better. Why don't I give it a try? And mm -hmm. that's that. That's tough for some people, but I think that's really the the main the main goal. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% because, I mean, I use copy AI all the time. And yes. it's not like it's not like it's doing the work for me because I still have to come up with the ideas, but it makes it so much better and it saves yes. time. Okay? Yes, I mean, actually, that's, yeah. that's and, such a good point. Uh, and uh, I'll bring up, so there's copy AI, there's many of these tools, but it's the same thing. Um, there's a, one of my favorite authors of all time and thinkers is uh, Alvin Toffler. Uh, he wrote Future Shock and he wrote uh, The Third Wave, probably one of my favorite books of all time. And he, he actually wrote in Future Shock that the, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Mm. And that is staggering. Because think about it right now, everyone. If we get to a point where I can just talk to my phone or I can talk to anything conversationally, I'm technically not illiterate anymore, even though I can't read and write. Mm -hmm. I, I, I could be fully literate. Now, I'm, I'm not proposing this, and that's what my pediatric occupational therapy wife would say. Please don't <laughs> say things like that. Um, you should learn to read and write. But I, I think his point is so critical, which is you're going to have to keep relearning new skills. And it's that adaptive nature that really makes people successful, not just in their careers, but their life. And nothing adapts better than a human. And so that, that, that again, I hate to sound so optimistic, but I am really optimistic. I, th I think learning these skills is very doable, but you must start to use the tools if you want your brain to make the right connections on what to do with the tool next. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's it's really interesting because, uh, you know, a lot of people take take, you know, Generation X or baby boomers are kind of scared of this stuff. And um, and uh, it's really when you start to, to play around with it, it's just it's just amazing how it can help you with efficiencies, how it can. Um, it, but you still have to think. You still have to really think about it. So <laughs> you you do, but you know, Kimberly. Again, going back to the Piaget's development stages, the reality is, is you know, children start to formulate that this concept around ideas or non permanency of objects, right? So, or permanency of objects outside of you. There's all these parts of developmental psychology where you know, you know, the game where you, you have like a toy in front of a, a, a two or three year old, and then you put it behind your back, and and, yeah. and to them, when they're young, too young. They just think it's gone, like from existence. They, they actually don't know it's behind your back. And then you bring it back in front of them. Well, what starts to happen is they start to, you know, pull behind your back, try to figure out, well, is it back there? Well, what's happening is their brain is telling them that there is, that thing exists outside of their visual input. Yeah. And so you start to get into these really interesting concepts, which is, AI is already pretty much there, right? Like it knows things exist outside of its conversation with you, whereas spreadsheets don't, right? That, that, that's, not, that's not how they work. And so when I think about sort of how people are, are going to attack this or get better with these tools, it really does come down to if you start trying them and using them, I, I really don't think any of the tools today are perfect. I think it's it's sort of like first mashing on a computer when I was you know seven years old on an Apple II GS or two E or something. But when you said uh, Gen X and baby boomers, one thing that is absolutely amazing is they don't need to understand this technology. Yes. There yeah. is no cognitive burden to learning this technology. It is literally just having a conversation. In fact, there's really interesting opportunities here for a cognitive decline because in uh, as people age, many times they don't have people to speak to. So they right. watch the same television shows and it's been linked 
to a decline towards dementia and other things. And and what they're finding is if I could be, if let's say I'm an older, older person, I've, I've lost the people close to me or whatever it may be, I'm alone. I'm basically towards the end of my life. And I, I, I live in a home alone. I'm not speaking to anyone. Imagine now being able to have full on dialogues with a voice in my house mm-hmm. where it really knows about World War II. And we have this engaging conversation. And then tomorrow we talk about the, you know, the new Tesla truck, because I saw it somewhere. The, the beauty of this is cognition and conversation are so closely tied in terms of development and brain health. That's that's another amazing benefit of this technology. That again, for everyone that if you download GPT-4, I sound like I work for them. I don't, but if you download them and you you use, there's a way to just talk to the AI and have conversations on the mobile device. It is staggering what you yeah. can do. You could you could go for a w- hour long walk and learn about things, and the the facts are getting better. They're not perfect, yeah. but they're really getting better. Yeah, amazing. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm I'm so excited about this technology. So, Christian, we're kind of at the end of the show, but just. One last tip for our listeners as we go into 2024, what would be the advice that you give them? So for, so yeah. for, for every meeting that I'm in, I'm always struck by the same thing, which is unless you work for uh, OpenAI, Google, Amazon, if you work for them, then realistically, you, you're, you're probably working on an AI strategy. For literally everyone else out there, your AI strategy is really just your data strategy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is you need to get your data in order. You need to think about where am I going to store the facts, the information, but you really need to think about it. And I'm not pitching Yext. I'm saying look at how you manage your data because it lives in silos. It's very messy. And what you really need to do is get that in order so then you can take advantage of all these great AI innovations because if you don't have the data set, clean, compliant, and ready to go, you're really not going to like what comes out of the AI. So that would be my final tip is focus Focus on your data strategy because it will drive your AI strategy. Super. Great last words. Um, and uh, wonderful to have you again on the show. And for our listeners, we've been talking to Christian J. Ward. He's executive vice president and chief data officer at Yext. And if you'd like to learn more about Yext, you can go on to www.yext.com. And Yext is also all over social media on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Look them up and look at their technologies. And if you'd like to reach out to Christian, please, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn under Ward Christian J and on Twitter under at Ward Christian J. So Christian, again, a pleasure. I mean, it's the end of the year. I can't believe another year's over. And after our conversation, I'm really excited about 2024. So we'll see what happens. And maybe we can talk again in six months and see, you know, where we've gone and how much has developed in that time. So I, I would really love that. I would love that, Kimberly. Thank you again. Okay. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. And I wish everybody a happy end of the year and um, a good new year into 2024. Again, thank you, Christian. And don't forget to tune in every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us, just look for us all over the web under Leadership Beyond Borders. And with that, happy 2024 to all our listeners. Take care. Until next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.